This is the Get Global Young Professionals Talk Global Health podcast, envisioned and created by the Irish Global Health Network and their student outreach team. I am your host, Megan Davis, communications and events intern at the Irish Global Health Network and second year medical student at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. In this series, join me and my student outreach team co-host Aidan Desjardins, a microbiology student at Trinity College, as we talk to inspiring young professionals leading the charge in their respective fields, often operating in sidelines to their career, following their passions above all. Today, we are very excited to speak to Levon Collins. Here is a segment from our conversation. When you're in the role of a healthcare professional, you approach it in such a way where, again, you're giving your patient autonomy and you're, you know, allowing them to voice concerns. Levon currently works in pharmaceutical clinical trials. She is a degree in health and society from Dublin City University and a master's in immunology and global health from Maynooth University. She took her master's thesis in Maastricht University where she did collaborative research on vaccine programs and hesitancy. She did an internship with Gori Malawi Health Partnership and has done volunteering in various capacities. She is passionate about the use of evidence-based and locally led interventions in disease prevention. Welcome to the podcast, Levon. Thanks, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, We like to start these episodes by asking our guests how they became involved in the field of global health. Would you mind sharing your story? Yeah, of course. So I suppose I first discovered global health when I did my undergrad in DCU in health and society. So um, when I was there, I found myself always thinking in lectures like, uh, whoa, this topic or this fact that we're Uh, doing at the moment is so important why am I only learning about this now why did I not learn this in school why doesn't everyone know this and so that degree was a really nice really broad degree and it it gave me a huge interest in science communication and so from there I I wanted to I suppose build upon my uh, scientific knowledge um, and bring that to global health and so I did um, a master's in immunology and global health in Minute, and I got the chance as well to do my research thesis in the Netherlands and I suppose from there I found networking really helpful so I spent some time attending various lectures and conferences that were on a lot of them actually run by Irish Global Health Network and things like that and so through those mediums I was able to meet with other people who are interested in global health and kind of see avenues for work later on and so when I graduated from my master's I spent some time doing volunteering and I did an internship with the Gormilawe Health Partnership So from there as well, networking got me even further again in the sense that the GPs that I worked with in Gori were able to uh, refer me on to a cardiologist in Dublin where I worked as a research assistant for a while and eventually as a study coordinator. So that led me to where I am now as a clinical trial project manager um, in pharmaceuticals. 
So we understand that you're passionate about science communication. In your opinion, how can health professionals best integrate science communication in their work and practice to inform and inspire the public about scientific knowledge and global health? Yeah, so to me, the most important thing regards science communication is for um, healthcare professionals or scientists to recognize that there's a knowledge gap between an expert opinion or even um, someone who is a student in health sciences or similar. Um, and there's a gap there between their knowledge and the, the lay person's knowledge. Um, and it's on us as um, someone who has experience or knowledge in the field to bridge that gap and to look at it from the perspective of the people we're trying to inform about things. So using, you know, evidence and community-led interventions is really important. McLachlan, who's a professor at Minute, has some really interesting studies on this, and it's becoming, I suppose, more and more the best practice in global health work to focus on community-led interventions and um, run things from the perspective of the people that you're trying to assist rather than, you know, just coming in and imposing your opinions or your um, experiences on others. And so I think that's really important because it offers as well an autonomy and a choice to people that you're trying to help or inform uh, about things. An interesting thing that's going on at the moment in Ireland is the government have set up a science communication collective for COVID-19. So this is um, a group of students and young professionals in science and medical backgrounds who are using social media to, I suppose, educate people on different things about the pandemic. So explaining through Instagram and TikTok videos, um, this is how the vaccine works or this is how herd immunity works. And I actually did uh, some reading on this during my thesis that people tend to believe their close friends or kind of more of a um, people in their peer group more than they would listen to an authoritative figure and so this is why social media can be really important in um, science communication and so hopefully that collective that they've put together will be expanded to different areas of, of healthcare in the future that would be really interesting to get involved in. We understand that you focused on, for your research, for your MSc, on uh, vaccine programs and hesitancy. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so my project mainly focused on looking at policy and guidelines and various documentation from the Irish government and how the vaccine program for zero to four years old was standardized. And then I worked with some other students from uh, Germany and Kenya and the Netherlands. And so we then did a comparative of those four countries. And in particular for Ireland, um, something that I discussed a little bit was how our uptake rates for vaccination in Ireland is pretty high compared to a lot of countries, but there's still room for some more flexibility in that. At the moment, the, the people who have uh, low rates of uptake are marginalized groups, so the homeless 
and the traveling community and the Roma community. And you will see it in all the outbreaks over the last 15 years or so. It tends to be centralized to those communities. Um, and so it's important to, you know, while the guidelines are, are there, it's important to have some flexibility in making things a bit more accessible for groups like that, that maybe don't feel as welcome or that they might not be registered with a GP and various things like that. So that was, I suppose, one part of the project that I focused on. And as well, I looked at hesitancy, which I suppose has become more relevant recently. So uh, there's there was three main reasons for people to be hesitant. And one of them was having a, a lack of voice or input surrounding the decision to be vaccinated or the system that is there in place. And so allowing people who are hesitant or people who have may have fears around it to voice their concerns. So it comes back a little bit, I suppose, to the science communication side of things that when you're in a healthcare professional, in the role of a healthcare professional, that you approach it in such a way where, again, you're giving your patient autonomy and you're, you know, allowing them to voice concerns. And this comes in then to the second point, which is trust. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people who might not trust healthcare, healthcare professionals or scientists would be people who have, I suppose, maybe strong religious beliefs where the religion discourages it, or again, they might be marginalized groups where they have felt um, excluded from society and so don't feel very welcome in these systems. Um, and so in gaining trust, again, it's all about discussion, allowing input, um, and uh, looking at it from the perspective of the person you're speaking with. Um, so the other thing that came up was uh, perception and worldview. So if you're if you're a parent, your perception is that I need to be a good parent. And in order to be a good parent, I need to achieve A, B and C. And so when some parents see that, I suppose, the risk of vaccination might be these um, small adverse events, but sometimes in their mind, their perception is, is skewed because of they're focusing on their child's health. So they may not recognize that the risk of um, illness outweighs the risk of the vaccine adverse events. And so a lot of how we can tackle hesitancy and how we can improve communication is just about you know, I suppose empathy really and standing in the other person's shoes and asking them what their fears are um, and working through that with them. I did some interviews with um, GPs um, for this project. And um, again, a lot of them were saying that, you know, they did believe that as a GP, that it was part of their role to help um, overcome people's fears. Thank you. So, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we'd like to ask you about your experience during your internship with Gori Malawi Health Partnership and something that you learned during the internship that stood out to you. Yes. Yeah, so um, the Gori Malawi Health Partnership 
was founded um, by two Gorey-based GPs, um, Peter Harrington and Joe Gallagher. Um, so they work with clinical fellows in Mizuzu, and so they support training and they send medical devices and support in any other way they can with those two hospitals, I believe, um, in Mizuzu that they work with. And so when I was part of this group, we organized for the clinical fellows to visit Ireland and we carried out workshops. The focus is primarily on non-communicable diseases. So um, we looked a lot at COPD and asthma and diabetes um, and cardiovascular disease as well. And so we did training workshops for the clinical fellows and uh, some other um, interesting research as well. Something that I learned while I was working there, which, you know, even after four and a half years of university focusing on health, I was shocked to realize that this was, this figures from 2018 only, in 2018, only 1.8% uh, of development assistance for health was put towards NCDs. Um, so when you think about the disease burden um, of these types of diseases, it, you know, it doesn't add up that only 1.8% of that type of funding is focused there. So there is a few reasons for this. Some of it is that there's not a lot of data on this. It's poorly documented and, and the transparency of where different funding goes is poorly documented, so it's difficult to analyze exactly um, how much money is needed, I suppose, for these diseases. As well, there's kind of, again, a, a type of perception that there's a stigma around NCDs, I suppose, that they're self-inflicted or that they're an inevitability of aging. Um, but you know, it's more complex than that. It's it's often influenced by environmental conditions, and especially in um, in low middle income countries, as I suppose their in, uh, infectious disease rates slowly improving and child morbidity is improving, so the life expectancy is is increasing, and so then there's a major increase in NCDs in those types of countries and as well um, you know they don't have the same I suppose they're not caught up with the science communication in the sense of uh, warnings around tobacco and alcohol use and as well air pollution in these areas they're suffering a lot from that so I think NCDs are projected to overtake all other causes of premature mortality before 2030 in sub-Saharan African countries. So I think um, a lot of people aren't aware of this. And it's, yeah, even, even I was shocked at seeing that. And something that's very telling of how little consideration has been given to these diseases is that until 2019, the OECD framework for tracking donor assistance, it didn't even track NCDs before 2019. And as well, NCDs were not mentioned in the Millennium, Millennial Development Goals 
um, it only came into play for the, the sustainable development goals. So again, it shows how it kind of has been a neglected area in global health. You know, when you think of global health, it's easy to think of HIV and AIDS and TB. And these are the things that, that deservedly get a lot of funding and attention. But it's important to have a broader perspective on, on other issues that are there as well. Now, before we wrap up, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone looking to pursue a career in the field of global health? Yeah, um, so I would say networking is really important. You know, even if you're anxious or introverted, as I definitely am, just keep going to events or online events at the moment and keep trying to meet people and talk to people because that's how I got all my jobs, all my internships to date is from going out and telling people I needed a job. So um, that's really important. And it also is good to see what other people are doing. It's really interesting to get an insight into projects that some of your colleagues might be working on. And the other thing I would say is to keep reading, read as much as possible and read things from other perspectives that you mightn't have taught to read or you know from from universities that are not western universities look at look always keep looking out for other perspectives on things I think that's really important in global health to you know recognize that you know especially from from an Irish perspective we have to recognize our privilege and that you know if we're going to be in a role where we're trying to help someone who who is less well off than us we need to consider you know, their cultures and their perspectives on things and use that to evolve. And science is always evolving and you, you can't learn unless you're making mistakes and unless you're seeing that you're, you maybe have incorrect opinions on things that can evolve over time from, from meeting new people and learning. So I completely agree. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on the podcast, Luvon. Um, If you would like to learn more about the Irish Global Health Network or the student outreach team, visit www.globalhealth.ie where you can sign up for our newsletters. Thanks again for tuning in.